This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0, and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair... Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. We're talking running back, wide receiver, and tight end auction draft prices on Roto-Viz Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Radio. I'm Dave Cabin, senior fantasy analyst at Rotoviz, joined by the editor in chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network, Mr. Matthew Friedman, a new resident of the great state of Minnesota. Are you prepared for the cold, Matt? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's much of a difference in the cold between Minnesota and Iowa. I mean, there is, but it's like a difference of degree. You know what I mean? Like in Iowa, like it's already pretty cold in the winter. Yeah. And you, you've also lived in other cold climates, I surmise. Yeah. Um, Colorado, New Hampshire. Yeah. Right. Uh, what about the lakes? Is Minnesota not the land of a thousand lakes? Are you going to be able to deal with that with all those bodies of water? What would uh, be weird about all of the bodies of water i have no idea maybe you had a bad prior experience <laughs> swimming um you know maybe you're afraid of h2o um i don't know uh no i'm going to be just fine with the lakes um i actually do like water uh you know i liked living in portsmouth because you were right there on the uh on the coast yep and uh i have missed uh, being near water. So, you know, like if I'm in the car, I like kind of driving by and seeing lakes there. Cause I mean, it's not the same as being on the coast, but it's like, Oh yeah, that's water. That's cool. Yeah. That's actually an, an interesting thing that I don't think about too much. Not that I live like right on the coast, but I'm around a lot of lakes, you know, I can get to the Portsmouth, you know, in under an hour. Uh, but it must be interesting when you're like intercontinental and you're landlocked. Yeah. Um, okay. We're off to another tremendous start, Matt. All right. Um, we really are. We really are. Hey, I want to ask quickly though. Um, you have Raheem Mostert requesting a trade from San Francisco. I have to assume this raises the value of Tevin Coleman. Quick thoughts on, um, what you do with the Niners backfield now. I don't think it actually changes anything. Uh, I mean, maybe it highlights uh, the fragility in the projections that we should have with Raheem Mostert, but I think the likeliest outcome still is that he uh, he stays with the 49ers. They have almost no incentive to trade him. He has very little leverage, uh, and I think he ends up in your median outcome, probably leading the team in, uh, you know, in rushing and uh, scoring a pretty healthy number of touchdowns. Cause I think that offense is still going to be pretty good. 
Um, so it's funny, like his projection is much higher than I would want to have him in rankings just because I do think the downside risk with him is pretty big, but, uh, I think the median outcome with him is still something that's pretty good. That puts him as like a high end RB two. Fair enough. And that brings us to our FFPC stat attack of the week. And this week's stat is a very simple one, which is just in the last 20 days, we've seen Tevin Coleman's ADP shoot up 13 spots, uh, which I don't think is particularly surprising. But I will tell you this, I expect that to continue to rise as we get closer to draft season in earnest. As a reminder, the FFPC is the home to the best fantasy football leagues and contests in the industry, including Dynasty, Best Ball, and of course, the world-famous FFPC main event, which who knows might just be as rowdy as the environment that I'm recording in right now, Matt. (laughs) To learn more or to join a league, head to myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com. And of course, we've got a handful of tools at Rotoviz designed specifically for FFPC domination. All right, let's get right into the running backs. No surprise Actually, here. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. I want, to, I want to derail the show just a little bit. Do it. We talked about the quarterbacks in last episode. And um, so I, I want to get your thoughts on a couple of things that relate to quarterbacks, but then also the, the rest of the positions here. Yep. One, how important do you think stacking is in seasonal leagues? Uh, and then two, do you think that uh, – potentially an optimal way to approach uh, not just the quarterback position, but kind of all of the positions is if you want to stack uh, focus on the stacks that are relatively cheap or, you know, like that I I phrase that simply and poorly, but uh, you know, like kind of have this holistic approach of like, okay, I can have Cam Newton at $3 and I can have Julian Edelman who would be his primary receiver at $6. You know, like I'm looking to target that stack versus Tom Brady at $5 and I don't know, like Chris Godwin at $39. You know what I mean? Like kind of have this, this like cross positional approach. I understand the question. And um, the thing I should say first is we actually have up a new tool at rotoviz built by mike beers that allows you to look at best ball win rates with stacking so you're going to find some really surprising things if you go in and you play with it and it's definitely going to help you if you do want to stack approach it in ways that you might not expect would be optimal um how it relates to an auction though um well i guess i should ask do you think your questions more so on auctions or just like any standard seasonal league um, well, I mean, so one, do you think that stacking is important for redraft? And okay. then two, like I can, I can sort of map out the plan of if I draft this wide receiver in the third round, maybe I stack him with his quarterback. Who's likely to be there in the 10th round. Yep. It's a little bit different with an auction. Um, you know, just because there's not like the sequential nature of it that's mapped out the way that there is with the draft. Got it. Got it. I think that um, if you're in just a standalone league, it's not part of a broader tournament, I don't really think that there's a compelling reason to stack unless you go in and you play around with this tool and you find some absolutely phenomenal way. I actually haven't spent that much time doing that. 
because as somebody that plays in a lot of auction leagues, I think that I generally am able to construct my ways or construct my teams in ways that I like to the level that I don't need to try and go and stack because it's kind of putting myself in a situation where um, I just don't feel like I'm building as optimal of a team. Now, though, you did raise a good point about maybe a player like a Cam and a Julian Edelman or players that are going for cheaper and perhaps could even be undervalued. Um, do I think that that's something that you should try and do? I still would be hesitant against that in an auction league just because they're so exploitable in my mind um, that you don't need to go to a strategy like that that does have some downside in it not working out at all and being you know maybe it was a good idea to go with that stack and you picked the pairing the correct position with quarterback but you just get the wrong players um in a tournament though i definitely think it's more apropos and i'd be more open to it for you know the idea that if it's in this larger tournament you want to catch fire um but yeah i don't feel too strongly about going after the stack okay uh i will respectfully disagree okay like i still think I mean, we've talked about this before i still think it's already a tournament you know like you're trying to beat 12 other teams uh like if you draft a quarterback you're basically planning on him having success and if he's going to do that it's probably going to mean some level of extra success well, wait a second wait a for second for the other players we need yeah. to explore that statement you just said if you draft a quarterback you're planning on him having success but I would say, seeing as we generally um, are proponents of waiting on quarterback, you're already limiting yourself to a pretty small pool. So clearly, we're not that concerned about the quarterback success and really going after seeking it, I don't think. Uh, I get what you're saying, but I disagree. Like, if I if I go with Cam Newton and Ben Roethlisberger, and uh, like I'm hoping that they have success. And so, like, I think... Well, aren't we hoping that every player we draft has success? Yeah, but I think it's a little bit different. Like if a running back has success, that doesn't really have much bearing on the wide receivers and tight ends and quarterback on his team. Like it it does, but not to that extent. Okay, I got you. You, you know, like if if I if I go with Matt Ryan, like I I don't know. I think I have extra incentive to go with Julio or to go with Calvin Ridley, uh, Hayden Hurst. You know, because like I'm thinking, okay, Matt Ryan's going to have a good season. If that happens, I need to amplify, I need to leverage the benefit I get from that. Okay. I think stacking is really undervalued. So, but what about this? I think this is the natural rebuttal to it. Yes, Matt Ryan has a good season. That benefits Hayden Hurst. But how confident are you? that after you select Matt Ryan and then you go with Hayden Hurst, that of the available tight ends, Hayden Hurst actually ends up scoring the alternate options that you would have had. Just because Matt Ryan has a success, successful season doesn't mean that another team's quarterback doesn't have a successful season that props up those other tight ends. I feel like we might be drawing, or almost bucketing things into like a binary lens here when it really isn't binary. Okay, let's say you go with Matt Ryan. And then I'm looking at the tiers here. Yep. In the tier that Hayden Hurst is in, we have Hunter Henry, Jared Cook, uh, and Hayden Hurst, right? It's just those three players in the tier 
and they're all available for $3. Yep. I would say that if you have Matt Ryan, whom you paid $3 for, yep. it would make a world of sense if you don't have a tight end, or even if you're just looking for your second tight end, to go with Hayden Hurst instead of Hunter Henry or Jared Cook. Ah, uh, you know what, Matt? When you frame it like that to me, I then am on board. Okay, through that lens, I agree with you. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like that's what I'm saying. Not that like... You're not doing I mean, it just because you're doing it because when you get to the point where you have those options, Hayden Hurst matches up with the quarterback that you have. They're all pretty similar players. Why not chase that upside there? I get yeah, that. that exactly. Makes sense. And I think you could even extend that to the players a tier above and the players a tier below. Yep. Like if it, if it comes down to Gronk, Higby, Ingram, Henry, Cook, Hurst, Fant, Hawkinson, Hooper, and Gesicki, and you have Matt Ryan, like all of those tight ends are basically in the same tier. Yeah. Like yep. might as well go with Hurst. Okay. That makes sense to me because I was kind of thinking it like through this lens before, which is before the draft, you'd be like, all right, I love Matt Ryan. I think he's going to have a great season because of that. I'm going to go Matt Ryan at quarterback, Hayden Hurst at tight end, end of story. And then even if, you know, Mark Andrews is there at like six bucks, you're not going to go for it. You know what I mean? Right. 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 And so uh, I'm, I'm saying uh, not quite what you said, but like a, a lesser, a lesser version of that. So for instance, um, I think it wouldn't make as much sense to go with someone like, um, I don't know, let's say like you went with Brady, but then you realized, okay, like if, if Brady's going to have success, that means I kind of like, I would like in theory to be able to stack him, but I don't want to pay up for Godwin. I don't want to pay up for Evans. I think Gronk is overpriced. Then that means, all right, maybe Brady's someone I just kind of avoid this year. Not that like, I, I have to. I have to put my auction strategy in the lens of like hardcore stacking, but that is something that at least kind of shapes some of my options. I like it. So it's almost like a supplement to your overall approach. Right. It's not like you yeah. make stacking your main approach. You just kind of supplement what you're already doing with it. And I yeah, should I mean, say, I Matt, I actually in the Scott Fishbowl ended up with Tom Brady, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin unplanned. Um, so that's, I, that clearly is evidence nice. I do do some stacking. Yeah. I mean, I, and I'm, I'm trying to stack. I also went with Brady and Godwin didn't get Evans, but, uh, yeah, I mean, didn't get Gronk either, but I did also stack with Ronald Jones, Ooh. you know, but yeah, I think, I think stacking is underappreciated and, uh, yeah, I, I think options present, I mean, sorry, I said options, auctions present, I think options for stacking, uh, in a pretty, a pretty compelling way that you just don't have in uh regular redraft leagues. Yeah, that well, that that's a totally good point. So I, I do think it was worth bringing that up. Um, why don't we press along? But before we do, <laughs> before we do, we're going to take a quick uh, moment for a word from our sponsor, Bet Online. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website, 
Looking for something other than sports? Bet Online has hundreds of games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use the promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. Bet Online, your online wagering experts. Okay. Do we now have your permission to finally get into running backs? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So Christian McCaffrey, unsurprisingly, in a tier of his own, around $70. Your next tier is Saquon Barkley at 59, Ezekiel Elliott at 57, Alvin Kamara at 54, which reminds me of an important thing that I've done and that I would recommend that people do when they do start looking at numbers and playing with them. Now, as I've said, it's very dangerous to extrapolate prices that you see to your league if your league does not follow the same settings. But I still think that it can be a good exercise to work within the confines of the ESPN values and the ESPN settings and just see the different ways that you can build a team because I think you'd be surprised when you realize how strong of a team you can put together um, if you are willing to get aggressive with your top six or seven players. But I also like to scale up every player's salary when I'm doing that exercise by like one or two dollars so that um, you naturally are going to have a little bit of a cushion that allows you to go a couple of dollars over on a particular player. So if anybody's hearing these numbers and they go to ESPN, you're going to see a little bit of a difference. Um, do you think, though, that um, McCaffrey in this lens shouldn't be $10 more, $12 more than the rest of those guys and should fall out in that same tier? Or do you think we can really rely so much on that disparate workload between the rest of those guys? and his efficiency that he should be in a tier of his own? I think he should be. Um, I mean, I think last year he scored more than 100 PPR points than any other running back. Yep. And uh, I have him basically projected to do that again. Me too. Um, like, I, I, yeah, I, I honestly, I'm looking at the difference. I don't think he's expensive enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think he might he could, not be. I, think I have him 100 make, points yeah. ahead. This is no exaggeration. I think I have him 102 points ahead of Dalvin Cook and Ezekiel Elliott, who I both have with 311 points. Yeah. I, I mean, I think he should be more expensive based on uh, the projection, based on his upside, and also just kind of based on his elevated floor. Um, but yeah, if you don't get McCaffrey, uh, you know, Saquon Barkley, Zeke, Alvin Kamara, I think those guys are very fine consolation prizes in the second tier. And then Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry, uh, I think they're totally fine priced where they are in the third tier. The one guy who just really stands out to me is Aaron Jones priced at $41 at the top of that fourth tier. If you pay that much for Aaron Jones, you hate money. Like I just can't think of any other way to phrase that. Uh, Aaron Jones has so much risk this year that uh, I think it's unconscionable to have him going in the same tier as Chubb, Drake, Jacobs, Eckler, Mixon, and Sanders. Like Jones just it, it fine. Even if you have him in that same tier, he does not belong as the highest priced player in that tier. If he's in the tier, he should be near the very bottom of it. Right. And for me, a lot of this goes back to we've seen Aaron Jones as recently as last season realize that supreme outlier season. We know that the odds that he does it again are so low. And we know that things have kind of changed in that team. So to me, guys like Kenyon Drake, Austin Eckler, uh, Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon, Miles Sanders, going for like seven bucks lower, it just doesn't make any sense. And right. even in a snake draft type of perspective, again, kind of looking at these numbers here helps helps kind of get it in your head. It's just hard for Jones 
for so many reasons we've talked about time and time again. It's just, it doesn't make sense for him to get that much more of a value than these, uh, than these other players. Um, where like, let's say even if you remove Jones last season, that was still a possibility. I think it's a stretch to say that, you know, Eckler or Drake this year, maybe even Mixon don't have, you know, equal ceilings or potentially higher ceilings. Yeah, absolutely. Um, man, I'm just looking a little bit further down this list. So we have this tier of guys after that Jones to Miles Sanders tier. We have this tier of Edwards Alaire, Gurley, Chris Carson, Uncle Lenny, David Johnson, <laughs> Le'Veon Bell, and Melvin Gordon. Um, okay, fine, whatever. The tier after that is the one that really intrigues me. James Conner for $13 versus Todd Gurley for $25. Like, give me James Conner all day long. Raheem Mostert for $11. Devin Singletary for $10. Jonathan Taylor for 9 Like, Taylor is a guy that I'm not sniffing at all in redraft leagues. Like, he's just, I think his price is too expensive in redraft leagues. But paying $9 for Taylor in an auction versus 27 for Edwards Alaire uh, or 25 for Chris Carson. Like Taylor, uh, even though I think it's likely that there's going to be more of a split in that Indianapolis backfield uh, than like a lot of people are expecting, his upside is massive. And at only $9, like that is something I want to be invested in. Yeah, you know, I'm glad that you pointed those guys out because for me, James Connors, one of these when I'm looking at the list, and I see his price at 13 and the tier above him ends with Melvin Gordon at 19. You have guys like Chris Carson at 25, David Johnson at 21. That just doesn't make much sense to me at all. And then you add in the fact that you can get him for 13, Jonathan Taylor for nine, and you're getting those two players for the same price that you're going to have to get David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell. Um, that's one of the reasons that if you do your homework and you're ready going in, you really can come away from an auction with an absolute monster team, unlike anything you could build in a, in a standard snake league. Yeah. I mean, I would actually want to take a very uh, modified zero RB informed approach where I'd want to go for like McCaffrey or Barkley, Zeke Kamara, one of those top guys. And then I would just try to hammer as many of these lower tiered guys as I could. Connor, is a guy I would love to get. Uh, Jonathan Taylor at $9. Cam Akers at $6. Ronald Jones at $4. Uh, I mean, I, I'm i very much in the zero RB type of strategy for auctions. Yeah, and so this is a common question I get every year, which is, can I go zero RB in an auction draft? And my answer is always like, this is the perfect way in which you can do it. Because one thing that we commonly see is the top tier wide receivers go for cheaper than the top tier running backs, which allows you to get more top tier players, Yeah, uh, which is a huge advantage. And then you can pick and choose in a way that you cannot do in snake draft. You're zero running back targets. Um, of course, though, you got to remember some of what we're looking at here is dictated by a roster size. So in an ESPN sure. league like this, I don't know if I would actually go zero running back because at most I can play three wide receivers to two running backs. But if your league has different settings, yeah, this is it. You can smash with with a zero running back approach. Um, Any other names stand out to you in the lower dollar values? I'll point out guys like Darius Geis, James White, Jordan Howard, Zach Moss. 
these guys are in the three dollar range, uh, which just brings me back to the fact of if you spend a lot of money on wide receivers early, you're worried about having money for running back later. You can take some shots on these guys, and it's not costing you much at all. Yeah, I would say Antonio Gibson for one dollar, uh, and uh, I mean AJ Dillon for a dollar. Yep. Like those guys are those guys are intriguing to me. Yeah, like imagine if you get Gibson. Um, who else did you say? You said AJ Dillon. You can add in like Darrington Evans. There's a lot of guys you can get that have some form of upside and you're basically getting them for free because at the end of the draft, everybody's just, you know, they don't have any money to actually bid. They're just dropping dollars on all of these I guys. I mean, another one, Damian Willems at $2 versus Clyde Edwards-Alaire at 27 Oh like, my God. Great point. I Like, I think there's a pretty decent chance that they finish with really comparable point totals by the end of the season. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I completely agree with that. Um, Michael Thomas starts off the wide receivers with a salary of 56. Then you have a tier with DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, Tyree Kill at 48 to $45. I'm not going to argue with Thomas being in his own tier. And I do think that valuation above the other guys is fair. Yeah, uh, totally agree there. Uh, you know, kind of looking through the tiers, uh, I think Hopkins is maybe priced a little bit aggressively given that he's going in a, a new situation. But, you know, I think Hopkins probably, you know, like shooting from the hip probably belongs in, you know, the top six, top eight. So, you know, whatever, like that. that's it's generally fine with the tier that he's in. The guy who a couple of guys who really stand out to me, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, going for twenty five dollars, uh, I think he you know has comparable value to someone like Devonte Adams, who's at forty six dollars, uh, and Cortland Sutton uh, as the guy going in the top of the fifth tier at twenty one dollars. Um, I don't know. I think I'm kind of on an island here, but uh, I'm I'm pretty interested in Cortland Sutton this year. I think he's going to come pretty close to repeating what he did last year. And then also two more guys in this tier, yep. Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. Uh, I don't know if I was really all that optimistic on them earlier in the offseason, but after doing the projections, uh, I mean, I think there's a lot of opportunity to go around for them. So both of those guys at $16 and even Calvin Ridley at $16. So basically all of the guys in this little this little mid-range tier, uh, I'm fairly interested in. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And what I find myself doing is I played around with some constructions you can get at. You can have teams where you have Carson Wentz as your quarterback. You can even go Kenyon Drake, Josh Jacobs at running back. And then you can still sandwich in Calvin Ridley, Chris Godwin, Jared Cook, Austin Eckler, Marvin Jones, Tyler Boyd, Devontae Parker, Kareem Hunt as an example. Or you could swap out the Boyd and Parker and Hunt for a player like Portland Sutton or Juju, at which point, you know, if you wanted to have strong running backs, you have strong running backs, then you could have Calvin Ridley, Chris Godwin, and, you know, pick your poison between Schuster or Sutton. Um, you know, another configuration actually that's a pretty interesting one is something like um Matt Ryan, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Stefan Diggs, Cortland Sutton, Jared Cook, Leonard Fournette, another one's Lamar Jackson, Christian McCaffrey, Melvin Gordon, Stefan Diggs, Devontae Adams, Jared Cook, Tyler Boyd. I kind of got off of what you were talking about there, but it just goes back to how phenomenal of a team you can actually put together in an auction. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a decent amount of value there in the middle of uh, the the wide receiver pricing. Uh, although, yeah, if you if you go for value 
at running back. And I think, you know, from the zero RB perspective, it probably makes sense to uh, to go with some of the upside cheap plays at running back. Then I think that means you can afford to pay up at uh, at tight end and wide receiver. And I mean, hey, like <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Like nothing, nothing wrong with getting like Michael Thomas and Julio Jones or, you know, like just yeah. however it is that, that you allocate your money. Um, but I do think if you are interested in saving at certain points at wide receiver, there is value in getting some of these middle priced guys. Uh, and then it's tight end. Um, yep. A couple of guys who are catching my eye. I think uh, Mark Andrews as the cheapest of the Kelsey Kittle Ertz Andrews quartet yep. uh, going at $13 while Kelsey is going at 37 and Kittle's going at 30. I think Andrews offers a lot of value there. Uh, and then Noah Fant at $2 also really catches my eye. Um, I could see him, him taking a, a pretty big step forward this year. Uh, and I mean, I don't know, like, Fant at $2 or like, I mean, I guess like Higby at four or Ingram at four, there's not that much of a difference, but I just, I think there's value in Fant. And then also, I mean, like Johnny Smith at $1, Dallas Goddard at $1. I yep. think there's a lot of value there too. So the, the tight end that I am interested to ask you about here, because he's kind of in like a no man's land, if you will, you have Darren Waller at $11 sandwiched around Mark Andrews at 13, Zach Ertz at 16. The next player behind Waller is Gronkowski at sixth and Higby at four. Uh, do you agree with me here that Waller kind of falls in that range where it's like, eh, you should, might as well just wait and forego spending the $11 on Waller, or if you're not going to go with him, then pay up the 13 for Andrews or the 16 for Ertz? Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think Waller, as the fifth-priced guy here, like th- that's probably about right. You know, like most people are ranking him as the number five tight end, like within the realm, like that's, that's generally right. Um, but I don't, I don't really see the tier here. Like, I think the realistic tier is Kelsey Kittle, Ertz Andrews in terms of like production that we should expect. Yep. And then Waller with a whole bunch of guys behind him. So I would rather have all of those guys behind him and pay significantly less. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, so we mentioned that wide receiver tier that had Woods and Cup. I'm just going to quickly read down the, the other two behind it, and I think we're actually probably going to close down for this week. But you have Keenan Allen at 15, Tyler Lockett at 14, Hilton at 12, McLaurin at 11, Metcalf at 10, Jarvis Landry at $10. Love that one. DJ Chark at 9, Devontae Parker at 9, Stefan Diggs at eight, AJ Green at eight, Tyler Boyd at seven, Michael Gallup at seven. Uh, again, just to drive the the point home, too, there is a lot of wide receiver value to be had in that range. Can I push back just a little on Jarvis Landry? Sure. Um, I get in a vacuum that there there is value with him, um, just based on how heavily he's been targeted in the past and you know mm-hmm. what he's done with that volume. Um, I think this year it's going to be a little bit different. I still think he's going to be targeted um, heavily in terms of market share, but I don't know how efficient he's going to be with those targets. Uh, I think he was kind of a little more efficient last year than we should expect him to be this year, uh, just kind of in terms of like his career trajectory. And then also with Kevin Stefanski there as the head coach, uh, I think it's going to be a pretty run heavy system. 
And I just don't think Landry's going to get the volume this year that he's had in the past. Like Landry's been locked in for like 135 to 160 targets or something like that for the past half decade. I don't think he's going to approach those numbers this year. Well, I will make a quick case for Landry here. I think that I have heard similar arguments made against Landry in prior seasons. Granted, I do think that, you know, the the change with Stefanski, maybe that one has, there's more teeth to that argument than we've seen with some of the ones on Landry in the past. But I think another thing is Landry has been so durable. He has not missed a game yet in his career. And while that doesn't help him from a points per game perspective, I do think it makes him a player that I'm interested in having in my team because I do feel like he's a player that I'm going to be able to use a number of times in a season and I'm going to feel good about doing so. And there's also the potential, you know, for a top 20, even top 15 type of seasons from him that sits there. And also, we haven't seen OBJ really deliver on what we've expected from him a number of seasons, which is another reason I can fall back on Landry. Uh, I hear what you're saying about Beckham, but like, doesn't the guy have uh, in six years, like five 1000 yard seasons or something like that? Like, okay. I, I get that. Like he hasn't, right. okay. he hasn't delivered exactly. Yep. But the the bigger thing is with Landry, he had 8.5 yards per target last year where his career average is 7.2. Yep. I think he's going to come closer to his, his career average there. And just based on like the way that I think targets are going to be distributed, um, I don't think he's going to get 138 targets this year. Like, right, I think it's going to be closer to like 120, even 110. Okay, fine. But um, I think what we're focusing on here is the fact that Landry's going for $10. Yeah, I, I mean, that's fair. I guess what I would say is I would probably rather have Terry McLaurin for $11. Okay, well, wait. We need to explore this a little bit more. In that In that Washington offense... What do you think that McLaurin's floor is? But all right, maybe we don't care about floor at all. How high really is his ceiling? How how high is his ceiling? Yeah, how high is it? Is that is that the question? Yeah. His his ceiling is leading the league in receiving yards. That's re- that's his actual ceiling. All right. In what percentage of scenarios does McLaurin actually lead the league in receiving yards? Like one percent, but like <laughs> okay. So let me rephrase that, the question. But but that's, but that's his that's his ceiling. Landry Landry doesn't have that ceiling. Okay, well, all right. So this is the. I think this is where we're split on this. I think that there is a role on your roster for a player like Jarvis Landry that's some type of backbone. I get that you normally need to go after upside. Perhaps a player like McLaurin has more of it. But the fact that McLaurin is there at eleven, I don't think, especially in an auction. That does not erase the um, allure of Jarvis Landry, right? In an auction, you can get the Terry McLaurin and the Jarvis Landry. Maybe you can't do that in a snake draft, but that's an important distinction we have to draw here. Okay, I guess that's fair. I guess I'm just looking at there are enough guys in that price range that I would rather have over Jarvis Landry. I just said McLaurin as like maybe the chief of those guys, but I would would rather have Gallup at $7. You know, I got to be honest with you. Some of it's just the name. Like if DK Metcalf and Terry McLaurin traded names and DK Metcalf was Terry McLaurin and Terry McLaurin was DK Metcalf and you said DK Metcalf, I'd probably be more interested in, in siding with you here and going with DK Metcalf. Yeah. I mean, McLaurin had a pretty awesome rookie season in really horrible circumstances. Uh, I think he's going to be 
significantly better this year. I think Haskins will probably be better this year. I don't see how Haskins could be any worse. I think things are going to be worse from a volume perspective for the Browns, as I've said. So we can stop talking about it. We can stop. But here's the thing. I've been dying on the Jarvis Landry Hill now for years, except that I haven't died because it's always been right. Uh, that's, that's fair. But, uh, I mean, do, do we want to make some bets on this in terms of like the, the yardage that McLaurin has or the yardage that, uh, Gallup has versus Landry? No, we're not going to pinpoint it to yardage. We're talking about fantasy points here, right? I'm not going to tell you that Jarvis Landry is going to get more, more yards than McLaurin. Of course you could say, well, then don't you think that you should go with McLaurin? But I'm saying when you look at the total package of the touchdowns, receptions yardage everything that goes into fantasy scoring i am taking jarvis landry as a good value at the ten dollars if you want to make this a landry versus mclaurin thing i I will go with it okay fine uh let's let's do i will take mclaurin versus landry in uh ppr points and i will take michael gallup over landry in ppr points and if we want to if you want to figure out like whether it's total points or whether it's points per game i kind of don't care whichever one you're fine with well, I think some of my thesis for Landry was the 16 games that he's going to play. So I'm going to go total okay. points. That's fine. But, That's fine. But wait a yeah. second. So you have you have Gallup and McLaurin and I have Landry? I'm, I'm saying two separate bets. Oh, two separate bets. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. McLaurin versus Landry and Gallup versus Landry. All right. I'm on board with that. Um, okay. Seeing as you've been away for two weeks now, is there anything else you want to say before we shut down? Uh, yeah, I'd be interested in betting on a whole bunch of other people versus Jarvis Landry, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll tell you what. You find one other bet and you bring it to me next week for a player versus Jarvis Landry. And we'll see if I want to take it. Okay. All right. I'm looking forward to, to hearing who this, this jabroni that you try to listen. Jarvis Landry might be a better receiver than Odell Beckham. He's outplayed the guy in college. I think he's outplayed him in the NFL at this point. Every team that they've been on together, the team has to end up relying on Landry Moore because OBJ can't get it done. He's uh, That is uh, a mighty bold statement to say that he's outplayed him in the NFL. Uh, I'll, I'll let you have that. That that probably felt really good to say it. It did. No, uh, but no, let me say yeah. this though. Let me say this. I would not be shocked if you asked every coach that has – coached the two of them at the same time which player they preferred having on their team and which team which player brought their team more utility i do think it's possible they would say it's jarvis landry i think uh basing this on coach and what they say they prefer uh doesn't really do much i'll just i'll just say that but you know yeah we're looking at one guy who's had uh 64.5 receiving yards per game and another guy who's had 86.8 receiving yards per game that's uh that's not really comparable all right you know what i'm gonna let the jarvis landry go here um i've now gone on too far on this but uh it was good to have you back this week matt um you can reach us at rotovisradio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at dave ff and at matt at the oracle thanks to bet online and the ffpc for sponsoring the show make sure to rate review and subscribe and as always remember it's not a fantasy